Good to, good to see you all here today. Uh, hey, if you, if you would, uh, maybe just make a little note and, uh, and pray for me on Tuesday morning. Uh, I'm having surgery to straighten out my deviated septum and clean out some sinuses, get some of this work done that uh, I've needed for a long, long time. I've been putting off, putting off, putting off. Finally, cannot put it off any, any longer. And so I'm finally getting it done. And while you're at it, uh, also please pray for my sweet wife, Amber, who is going to have to put up with me over the next two weeks uh, while I am in recovery. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be a very good patient, and she doesn't think I'm going to be either. And so pray for her. Pray that uh, I, I don't do well sitting still. Uh, I like to be active. I like to be doing things. And so pray that I'll just be able to rest a little bit and not drive her crazy. Uh, I was telling the girls a few weeks ago that I was having surgery on my nose and, and, and my sinuses and everything that they were going to do. And uh, our youngest daughter, Nora, said, oh, good, they're going to make your nose look better. I was like, well, uh, no, sweetie, it's all happening on the inside. Uh, but but thanks for that. And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm just kidding. Your nose looks fine. Your nose looks fine. And, and Amber said, you know, I always thought that you had your daddy's nose. And she's like, no, I don't. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, that defensiveness gives it away right, right there. But, you know, I thought uh, it's, a, it's a really good tie-in as we talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in, in our life. When we give our lives to Christ, and we are baptized into him, the Holy Spirit fills us. He makes his dwelling in our lives. Our bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives and he moves in us. And if we allow him to, the Holy Spirit begins to change and transform us on the inside into this new creation. And so while we may look the same on the outside, good or bad, he completely changes us and transforms us on the inside back into the people that God intended for us to be. We are in week two of our series on the Holy Spirit. And if you missed last week, I encourage you to go back, give it a listen. We kind of laid out this theological foundation of, of who the Holy Spirit is, what his role is in, within the, the, the Trinity, you know, the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And, and, and we saw how the, the Holy Spirit as, is, is, is the point at which the Trinity becomes personal in the life of the believer. That the Holy Spirit is the, is the place in which we interact most intimately with the Trinity, with God. And Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is our advocate. He is our paraclete that comes alongside of us to be our encourager, our comforter, our counselor. And today I want to pick up on that theme of the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's interesting that the Holy Spirit is mentioned um, over 350 times between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And, and in those 350 times that it's mentioned, 50 different descriptions are used to talk about who the Holy Spirit is and, and what he does. It, but he's never given a name. God the Father has a name, Yahweh. God the Son has a name, Jesus. But God the Spirit is never given a name, only descriptive titles that help us understand the role that he plays in, in our life. And so he is described as a powerful wind. 
He is described as life-giving breath. He he is described as the, the peace of God that descends upon us like a dove or an all-consuming fire. All of these descriptions give us insight into who the Holy Spirit is and the role that he plays in our lives. And this morning, I want to hone in on just a few different descriptions. And so like last week, we are going to uh, kind of jump around to a variety of passages, but, but one of the chapters that we're going to land in kind of the most is, is Romans chapter 8. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, uh, feel free, you can turn there. We're going to uh, check out a couple of verses in Romans chapter, chapter 8. There are so many different directions uh, that, that I could have gone in this sermon. I actually really wrestled which, with, with where to, to go and which way to, to take this. We could have done an entire series on this week alone on the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In fact, I got an email from someone last week saying that their connect group has been going through a study on the Holy Spirit for the last six weeks. And it just reminded me of why connect groups are so incredibly important. Like, like we can only do so much in here. Worship gatherings, what we do on Sunday mornings are important. They're good. They're helpful. But we can just barely scratch the surface of some of these really deep things that require a lot of study and, and conversation. Connect groups are that place where we're able to, to do it. And so if you're not in a connect group, I encourage you to find uh, couples or men's groups or women, women's groups so that you can dive deeper into the word and some of these themes that, that we unpack on Sunday mornings. There's so much to explore when it comes to this. And I love that this connect group has already been studying this for the last six weeks. And if you want to do a little bit of study on your own, uh, one of the, the best and most accessible books on the Holy Spirit that I've ever read is a book called Forgotten God uh, by a guy named Francis Chan. Uh, I went through this book. It was released in 2009. I think I even got like one of the first copies, devoured it. I've, I've gone through it again a handful of times. Uh, I've taken some, some groups through it as well. It's a wonderful resource if you want to kind of dive into this topic just a little bit more in, in your life or maybe in, in a group of, of friends. And it does a really good job about helping us understand more about the third part of the Trinity. What... what Francis refers to as the forgotten God. And to a degree, I think that's exactly the way that the Holy Spirit prefers it. Throughout scripture, we see the Holy Spirit operating kind of behind the the scenes. The Holy Spirit doesn't draw attention to himself. Instead, the the Holy Spirit's role always seems to be to, to point to the Father, to point to the Son, to glorify and to make much of of them. And one of the ways that we see the Spirit point to the other parts of the Trinity is in the way that he brings about conviction in our lives. In John 16, 8, Jesus says, and when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world of sin. One of the Holy Spirit's role in our lives is to convict us of our sin, to turn our hearts back to the Father, and to show us our need for a Savior in Jesus And he does this in such a loving way that the Apostle Paul says in Romans 2, 4, that it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. 
It is the kind conviction of the Spirit that makes us want to turn from our path of sin and selfishness and the flesh, turn from that back to the Father and pursue Him. And what I found in my life is that even though the Spirit is kind in the way that He brings about conviction, He is not always gentle. But it's exactly what we need in the moment. I remember the first time I was convicted by the Holy Spirit for my sin. It literally took me to my knees. It broke me. It came face to face with who I was and how far I was from God and my need for a savior. And in that moment, it dropped me like a sack of potatoes. But also in that same moment, it pointed me to the love of a father whose arms were open wide, ready to receive me, ready to embrace me, ready to show me grace and forgiveness and mercy. Everything that I had been looking for in my life, in other people and in other places, was fully found in him. And it was his kindness that called me on my junk and turned my heart to the Father and start following Jesus. And in that kindness, the Spirit continues, praise God, to convict me of my sin in my own life. He continues to turn my heart back to the Father and remind me, Sean, you didn't just need a Savior then. You continue to need a Savior today. And Jesus continues to be that Savior today too. That is one of the roles that the Holy Spirit plays in our lives. But just as the Spirit is our advocate, we also have an accuser. And while the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin and leads us back to the Father, Satan, our enemy, our accuser, wants to condemn us for our sin. What is the difference? I've I've said before that the difference between conviction and condemnation is where it makes you want to run. At least that's how I've kind of sorted it out in my own life. You see, both conviction and condemnation point out our sin in in all of the ways that we are not walking with God. They shine a light on our brokenness, our broken relationship with the Father, our brokenness in ourselves, the pain that we are causing in the lives of others because of our sin. Both conviction and condemnation point to the same thing, but the outcome is entirely different. The voice of Satan, that voice of condemnation, makes us want to run and hide. Hide in our guilt. Hide in our shame. And it's that voice of condemnation that Adam and Eve heard in in, in Genesis chapter 3 at the fall that made them run and hide from God. Hide from each other. Hide from, from themselves. Condemnation makes us hide in fear and in shame. We continue to hide from God, hide from others, even from ourselves in the way that we deny our sin and the pain that it causes. That is what the voice of our enemy, of Satan, of, of our accuser and our condemner makes us want to do. But the voice of the Spirit, the voice of conviction, makes us run to the Father and find grace of God through Jesus. God's love casts out all fear that we will be rejected of his love. 
The voice of conviction reminds us of the beautiful words in Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit, as our advocate, stands in our defense. And while we are convicted of our sin, the condemnation was poured out on Jesus so that we can be forgiven. Now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Only conviction that points us to the love of the Father and the grace that is available in Christ. And as the Spirit does his work of conviction inside of us, he's also transforming us into this new creation. Day by day, our old self and its ways are being crucified with Christ, and the Spirit is bringing about new and resurrected life inside of us. And so where we once lived to satisfy the desires of, of our flesh, where we once lived in, in response to, to anger and, and pursuing selfishness and, 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 and all of this sexual impurity, and Paul says in Galatians 5 that the Spirit is now bearing fruit in us, bearing fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and, and self-control. And the list goes on and on about what the Spirit is doing in us to transform us away from the flesh into life in the Spirit and the life and new creation that he brings. It's why Paul also says in Romans 8, 9, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. We have been transformed from living in our flesh to now living in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If the spirit is in us, those works of the flesh, those works of the flesh that push us away from God are dying. And sometimes it is a very slow and painful death. <laughs> But they're being put to death as new life is being formed in us by the Holy Spirit. He points us on the path of holiness. And as we walk down that path of holiness and new life, then we begin to walk in the Spirit each and every day. And this, to me, is one of my favorite roles of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's also one of the most mysterious. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? I like to define it as these little nudges that he gives to move us in the right direction. It's these little moments where when we, when we act on that nudge that we see the space between heaven and earth gets a little bit thin. It, 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 they collide with one another. And, and it's those nudges as we, as we follow those prompts and walk in faith that we are used by God and we see God move in our life and the lives of others. And I'll tell you in one place where I experience this quite often, every now and then the, the Holy Spirit will put someone on my mind or on my heart and, and kind of give me this nudge like, hey, you should reach out to that person. And almost without fail, whenever I give that person a call, say, hey, how, how's it going? They'll say something like, oh man, you will not believe the day that I'm having. <laughs> and I had no idea the kind of day that they were having, but the Spirit did. And the Spirit encouraged that call to speak a word of encouragement, to maybe even pray for them. And there are also times, <laughs> often more often than not, when I don't make that call. 
after that little nudge. And I'll run into that person later and realize why the Spirit put them on my heart and my mind that day. Maybe you've experienced that too. Walking in the Spirit means being in tune for those moments and then being, being ready and willing to take that step of obedience when he nudges you in that direction. But how do we know if those nudges are from the Spirit or not? Oftentimes we don't until afterwards. But I think that there are some filters that we can run that nudge through. Like, does it align with Scripture? If it doesn't, probably not the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Does it align with the character of God or the person that the Spirit is forming me into? And so last week I was, I was driving uh, down, down our road and I popped up over a, a hill right as a truck coming the other direction popped up over the hill. And I immediately noticed that he was like dangerously in my lane. And I looked over to see if he saw this too. And, and his eyes were down looking at his phone like this. And so as I am like slamming on the brakes and getting over to the shoulder as much as I can without running off the road and, you know, taking out mailboxes on the way. Uh, He finally looks up and jerks back over to his side of the road before we have this head-on collision. And it probably wasn't the nudge of the Holy Spirit that made me want to do a U-turn right there in the middle of the road, chase him down, and tell him what he could do with his phone in in that moment. (laughs) That, that is full on flesh coming out. And the spirit will never nudge us to live in the old way of life that God has saved us from. Let me say that again. The spirit will never nudge us to live in the old way of life that God has saved us from. Instead, it's the nudge of the spirit that tells us, hey, you know, they're looking for volunteers in this ministry. You, you, should, you should step out and give it a try. Oh, but I don't know if it fits my spiritual gift. I don't know if I've got the time. No, just trust me. Just take that step and, and see what happens. Maybe it's the nudge of the spirit that, that says, you see that family that's sitting next to you at lunch or, or across the restaurant from you? I want you to buy their meal today. I'm not gonna tell you Why? I just want you to pick up their tab and do it discreetly and just walk out. Let it be a blessing. We may have no idea why the Spirit may nudge that on us, but we're faithful in doing it. It's the nudge of the Spirit that that tells us to pray for that friend or or to to call that person that we haven't talked to in a while where we know that there's something between us and just ask for their forgiveness, to talk it out with them. It's the nudge of the Spirit when, when we are having that imaginary conversation with a person that we're mad at for the thousandth time and the Holy Spirit's like, hey, you think maybe you should like learn how to forgive them <laughs> for what they've done? It's the nudge of the Spirit that leads us to a life of holiness, that leads us to pursue a life that God has called us to, this new creation that is filled with the fruit of the Spirit. It's the nudge of the Spirit that tells us to show kindness to someone who might be struggling. It's the nudge of the, converse, uh, the Spirit that says it's time to have that conversation of faith with that friend who's living far from God. And so how do we know for sure that it's the Spirit nudging us in these directions? I don't think that we can know for sure. 
The best that we can do is echo the words of the apostles in Acts chapter 15, that it just seems right to us and the Holy Spirit. And so we did it. And we leave the results and the rest up to him. We can get so caught up and wanting to know precisely what does God want me to do? What is God's will for my life? And, and, and it's something that always feels so far away. It always feels way out there. And yet when we do that, we can totally miss the mystery and the power of those day-by-day, moment-by-moment nudges of the Spirit And I think it's those nudges that lead us to walk in God's will for our life. And through them, he uses those little nudges to bring his kingdom closer to earth and to move in our life and the lives of others. And as we walk, as we walk in the spirit, look at this promise that we have in Romans 8, chapter 14, or verse 14. Paul writes, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. We are no longer bound and controlled by fear, fear of God or fear of others. The Holy Spirit living and moving in us has brought about our adoption. The Holy Spirit now testifies that we are God's children, holy and fully belonging to him, and nothing can ever change it. Before we were able to officially adopt our our daughter, Adeline, this gets me every time. (laughs) Before we were able to officially adopt her, the name on her birth certificate was um, Baby Girl and the last name of of her birth mom. Legally, our daughter didn't have a name. In fact, legally, she wasn't even our daughter. And she belonged to the state. And a month after her adoption, we received a new birth certificate, this time with her name, the name that we have given her, Adeline Olivia Green. And to this day, that birth certificate testifies that she is our daughter. She is a part of our family. And this is who the Holy Spirit is for us. He brought about our adoption into God's family. He has given us a new name and a place to belong. The Spirit testifies that we are his. Because of that, the apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, when you believed, you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. We are marked 
by the Holy Spirit. And he is a sign that we are God's children. The spirit living in us is a down payment on a promise of God that what he has started, he will see through. And one day we will share in the inheritance of heaven together. And so this is just a taste of who the spirit is and the role that he plays in our life. We could go on so much more. But as we close today, I want to invite us into a little time of reflection. We've spent the last 24 minutes or so looking into the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But, But I want to close today by reflecting on the role of the Holy Spirit that you need in your life today. And so is the voice of condemnation wearing you out? Is Satan, your accuser, playing on replay all of those mistakes, all of those errors, all of that sin in your life that has caused you pain and pain in the lives of others? Maybe today you need to hear the kind voice of conviction that instead of making you feel condemned and running and hiding, makes you run into the arms of a father who loves you and find grace through Jesus. Do you continue to walk in the flesh of your old way of life? Maybe today you need to open yourself up again to to the new creation and the work that the Spirit wants to do in you to shape and mold you more into the image of Christ, the new life that he wants to grow in you? Are you seeking God's mysterious will for your life? Maybe today you just need to dive into the mystery of following those nudges and those prompts of the Holy Spirit and, and look up and see that all along he has been leading you in his will as you do. Are you wandering through life feeling alone? Maybe today is the day that you embrace God's love for you and are adopted into his family. Peter says in Acts 2 that when we turn from our old life and are baptized into Christ, we are forgiven. Our past is wiped clean and, and we are made holy. And we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We are filled with him. And maybe today is the day that you need to take that step. I'm going to be quiet for now. (laughs) And let the voice of the Holy Spirit take over. And Scott's going to play. And let's just spend a few moments in this stillness, listening to the role that he wants to play in our life today.
Thank you for listening to this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can watch all of our video content, both current and past, on our YouTube channel? Visit youtube.com slash Sherwood Oaks to watch messages, series, and complete worship services.